0: How's it going this week everybody? I'm going to be having Jess on tonight and she came on to lend some insight into the psychic communities and really give some input on some of the misconceptions that people might have about psychics and on top of that she shares an encounter that was really interesting while she was traveling. Also for those of you who are new around here we do have a membership. If you head over to challengetheunknown.com you can get access to episodes two weeks before they come out. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show.
1: it was around this time last year um, I was on a greyhound coming back from visiting some family out of state and I was at a layover station I want to say it was in Arizona I think might have either been in Arizona or New Mexico and uh, we were at a stop and I was trying to get my bags off of the the baggage area because they store the baggage underneath the bus and they, they weren't handing me my bag, and I was worried they had lost it. Just travel anxiety. And this lady comes up behind me, and just from the minute I lay eyes on her, she just exudes this energy of just power. Just you, you know how you can like feel certain people's auras and just feel that they are a very psychically powerful person. And she's talking to me like I'm an old friend. She introduces herself and she's upset at the driver for the same reason that I'm upset and just very take charge attitude. Just, you know, I'm going to go and talk to them and make sure the bags are sorted and don't worry, honey, you're taken care of. A very, very like, intimidating
0: oh. person, right there. That's that's very forward.
1: Yeah, she's very forward, and I'm a, uh, a pagan. I have worked with Hecate's energy since I was a child. She she first manifested in my life. Sorry, I'm anxious, so I'm like running out of breath. No,
0: you're okay. <laughs> Sorry, you're doing fine. Uh, your speech isn't circular, so you're already off to a great start. Uh, I've I've actually talked to a lot of people that have have practiced this kind of stuff before, so you know don't don't be nervous, just uh, keep going.
1: No, it's just normal phone anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I'm I'm pagan, and I've worked with Hecate pretty much my entire life. Uh, she started manifesting when I was a child. I was obsessed with dragons, and that's one of her main symbols is dragons. And then as I grew older and I grew more spiritual and I started looking at spirituality outside of Christianity and the the spirituality that I was raised in, I found her and she took me in with open arms. (laughs) So immediately I felt this similar energy and I was like, hmm, that's kind of weird. And she just. Uh, it, like I said in the Reddit post, she was wearing. I can't even distinctly remember what all she was wearing. I remember she was about my height, maybe a little taller, heavy set, and I'm about 5'4, so she was probably closer to 5'6, five 5'7. Five okay. Long, wild, dark hair streaked with gray. Just these intense. Green eyes, and she was wearing like I think she had a shawl on. If if you work with the goddess Hecate, or any god or goddess, they usually have certain colors, certain symbols, certain things that mark them as this is a sign of this particular being. And the colors that she was wearing were were Hecate's colors. She introduced herself as Katie. (laughs) and I didn't think about it. I didn't realize what I was interacting with until I was home and I had gotten off the bus and I started to think about it and I was like, Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) But she just, she immediately was very protective of me. Like uh, we were at the station and I had gone off to the, the snack counter and gotten myself some snacks and bought a souvenir and, like, she she was asking for me. She was like, oh, where were you? I thought we were going to sit together. And I was just like, oh, I, you know, got a snack and was eating. I'm fine. Or um, there was another rest stop, she, rest stop. She came up behind me. And you know how when you have an older female relative, like an aunt or a grandmother, and they do that thing where they run your their fingernails down your back? Just right. to be silly. She did that. And it, it, it was a very, like, I didn't feel unsafe around her at all. Like I, it wasn't like I was being stalked or groomed or anything like that. It's I genuinely felt safe around her. And I asked her where her stop was and she, it was supposedly the same stop as mine. I was like, okay, that's kind of weird, but not because you know, you're on a greyhound, everyone's going different directions. And I asked her, hey, do you want to sit next to each other on the ride back? And she looked at me, and she shook her head. And she was like, oh, no, I have someone else who needs me. I'm like, okay, whatever. Weird way to phrase it. But I was so oblivious, I guess, because I was just thinking about travel and trying to get home. And it was my first time on a Greyhound, and it just, ugh. So I'm traveling on the bus we get to my stop. I look up and down the aisle. She's not on the bus. I get off the bus. I'm standing there watching everyone else get off. She never gets off the bus. Interesting. Yeah. And, but the, the, the encounter that I mentioned in the Reddit post I just realized I completely skipped that. (laughs) Hello, anxiety. (laughs) I'm so sorry.
0: (laughs) You're okay. Keep keep it going. You're all right.
1: Um, we were coming into town to to where my my final stop would be. It was late at night, probably close to like one o'clock in the morning. So I'm sure that driver had been driving for hours bus took a turn and I guess he took the curve too sharp and wasn't paying attention or he almost he had to kind of swerve to miss a curb or I don't know what why it happened all I know is that the bus rocked like that kind of it was this stomach-clenching, tilting, tossing-you-up-against-the-side-of-the-seat rock. Like, oh shit, this is a very large vehicle that is currently very off-balanced rock. And I'm decently psychic. I have decent amount of abilities. I don't normally see into alternate realities, though. <laughs> but this time I did. I remember writing myself after it rocked and it's almost like I could hear but wasn't actually hearing and see but I wasn't actually seeing trying to describe it for people that don't have psychic abilities.
0: So so let's recap here. Let's recap real quick. So you are traveling on a Greyhound. From Mm -hmm. one place to another. You're having some anxiety and a woman comes up to you that seems pretty out of place in terms of looks and behavior. This woman is very intimidating, very forward, and acting like she knows you. Mm -hmm. And then you guys get on this bus and you have a strange encounter when the bus rocks and then at the end of it, when you're getting off the bus, you don't see her anymore. She's just poof gone.
1: Yeah, basically, that that's that's a good summary of it. Interesting. I, I, yeah, I genuinely feel like she was there to protect me and kept that bus from flipping. Because, like, I could feel in my chest in another reality somewhere that bus flipped, and either I was injured or I was left psychologically scarred from whatever happened after that bus flipped. So it was, it was definitely interesting.
0: It's really interesting. You know, I honestly, back when I started the show, the show has gotten, it's branched out into a lot of different topics that I never expected to take the show. You know, it was originally just about like ghosts and flying saucers. And then I started Mm -hmm. to interview people that, experienced witchcraft related stuff and you know people write me emails all the time and, and talk about all kinds of different stuff so i get into witchcraft you know psychics contact me also just all kinds of different stuff so i've i've been around the boat so to speak
1: my uh, my life is with being a witch and just being with my family line and stuff like that my life was an endless stream of weird mm. <laughs> I, I have had so much weird stuff happen to me
0: <laughs> I, I I believe you, you know, I I, I believe absolutely, you know, and uh, I honestly never really bought into the whole psychic thing up until probably, I, I think it was Ghost Adventures that really made it click for me where there was, they were bringing on psychics to do stuff and there was all kinds of weird sh- stuff that was going on that they were capturing. So that's when I really started to be like, hey, you know, maybe there's something to it because I always imagined psychics before is like this hole in the wall kind of con uh, con show, you know, where they come in, they read some cards to you and, and they charge you a hundred bucks or whatever, you know, to tell you something that you already know. Uh, that's what I, uh, that was my interpretation of them before. Uh, do you, why don't you give, uh, the viewers who might also have this misconception, uh, some insight?
1: So yes, not every psychic reading is genuine. A lot of it is uh power of suggestion. A lot of it is learning how to read people. A lot of it is learning how to read your environment. A lot of it is learning how to pick up on little tells that you, you kind of, I've literally scared people just by throwing out a generalized thing, watching how they react to it, and then kind of pulling the information out of them. And that's not necessarily deceit it's kind of shitty to charge $200 for that because it's obviously not real psychic ability, but it's not necessarily a scam either. Mm-hmm. So the way I have always told people to tell the difference between people that are doing that and that are true psychics is a true psychic will never be able to control when, how and what they see or hear There'll never be, a, you know, you'll never be able to go up to a true psychic and go, tell me something about my past. Or go reach out to blah, blah relative and have them tell you something that only I would know. Because that's not how true psychic ability works. Unfortunately, I wish it did. <laughs> true psychic ability is fleeting. Sometimes it'll disappear for months and I won't see or feel anything. And then other times it's literally overwhelming and I have a headache and I have to stay in all day because it's just too much. It's basically, it's not any sort of like extra sensory, ooh, ooh I'm special. It's just, I'm more sensitive to certain energies. Um, For those of your, your listeners that are familiar with the string theory and with the multiple universes theory, there's basically a theory that there's multiple dimensions rubbing up against this one. And so when we see or feel or talk to a ghost, we're feeling those other dimensions when we you know see or hear something that happened in the future which by the way the future is never set in stone yes sometimes you can create your own future by trying to avoid something you think you already know but it's, you can change it so it when we i'm sorry i'm rambling go no, on <laughs> you, no you're you're
0: doing great it's it's actually very insightful i'm i'm very glad you're uh, you're you're putting this in in a really good perspective and mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you you know I I've actually talked about that that theory on the podcast multiple times Mm -hmm. talking about alternate dimensions and things like that and one of the questions that I generally ask people when they come on whether it's about flying saucers or paranormal accounts whatever it is I always ask them what they think that stuff is and ghosts in particular is one that I always bring up because a lot of the episodes that I've done are paranormal related and I ask, you know, do you think that they, these are entities that exist in different light spectrums? Do you think there's some type of interdimensional being that's, you know, popping in and out? Or, you know, what, what's your opinion on that? And so I want to ask you the same question is, what do you think ghosts are? You know, do you think that it's an interdimensional thing?
1: Well, there's different types of ghosts. There's the type that is just, uh, it's like a spiritual fingerprint. So everywhere you go especially if you're a particularly powerful person or have a particularly powerful aura, you leave traces of your energy. And sometimes that energy builds up. So things like um, hotels, things like hospitals, things like airports, things with a lot of people, with a lot of nervous energy, uh, schools, places like that, those aren't true ghosts. They're just bursts of energy their fingerprints. And then you have where it's spiritual residue, where it's, um, a good example of, is orbs. Orbs that interact, spirits that recreate their deaths, things like that, that spirits that seem to interact and be intelligent. It's not so much that the actual person's spirit is a of is actually there because everyone eventually crosses over. It's more that it's kind of like, uh, it's looking down. It's like looking down onto the surface of the water and there's something floating on the water. if, If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying.
1: And then you have actual trapped souls, things like haunted dolls or, Uh, other haunted objects or, you know, like vectors that haunt a particular family. And usually that's a soul that makes the conscious decision not to cross over or it has unfinished business or something has trapped it because you can trap and manipulate souls if you're a shitty enough magician. (laughs) I don't personally agree with the idea. I think a spirit should be free to come in and out of its own will. And then there are spirits that aren't human, never were human. And yes, those are from alternate dimensions.
0: Interesting. That's, that's a fantastic take. It's really interesting. You know, the more people I talk to about the stuff, the, the weirder and weirder it gets, you know, and, and one of the things I always bring up and, and I'll kind of lead into another question with this one is, If you would have taken 17th century Victorian era scientists and taken them to the Aurora Borealis and you showed them that, there would be something observable there, but they did not have the technology to understand what it was or how it was happening. It was basically magic to them. So Mm -hmm. I wonder if a lot of this paranormal stuff, all these energies and, and such that people talk about, if it's just something that we're not able to understand yet and that we're just another hundred years away from having the technology to really understand it. Because people, I think, underestimate how advanced we really are because I think things are going to get a lot crazier in another hundred, two hundred years. Mhm. So, I guess that, that'll lead into the next question is, do you think that we'll have technology that that is able to comprehend this stuff better and we'll have a better understanding of all of it in another hundred years or so?
1: Well, I you look at the the growth in things like you know qu- quantum mechanics and quantum physics and you know the the really big brain stuff that's <laughs> a lot bigger than your brain or my brain <laughs> and like they're even already proving the existence of energy fields and auras and. You know, broaching the possibilities of alternate dimensions and time travel and stuff like that. So, I definitely think it is a possibility. There's a quote, I can't remember who the hell it's by, but um, magic is just science that hasn't been discovered yet.
0: Oh, I like that. That should be on a t shirt. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> it probably is somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with that. You know, I, I think that. Things are going to be better understood, you know? And if you just mm. look at 100, 200 years ago, how far behind we were today and how much mm. we didn't understand, you know, uh, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, electromagnetic fields weren't even a thing. We didn't understand it. You know, we had no comprehension of any of that stuff. So We,
1: we thought electricity was a ghost.
0: <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's interesting, that's for sure, to see how how quickly things are advancing and, and like i said given another 200 years i mean imagine 500 years from now where we where humans will be you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: i i me and my friends always would, joke about we're perfect. like how long is it going to be till elon musk builds his iron man suit and and we're all like 5 years you know it's it's <laughs> right around the corner It's, it really is you know
1: I would hope humans are still around in 500 years. The rate certain ones are going.
0: (laughs) I think they will be. You know, humans are... A lot of people want to say that we're stupid, but at the same time, I like to imagine that aliens are looking down on our civilization instead of discovering the music of Beethoven or something, they discover Arabic trap music and are like, what are these dumb apes? You know, but I think that humans really are highly, highly intelligent. And I think that we don't give ourselves enough credit for what we're capable of. You know, we're doing more and more with less and less space. And I think we're going to have some technological revolutions again in terms of food production and energy production where things are just going to its going to push us really far forward. So, you I, know, I, I think we'll be around.
1: I think the, the problem that causes humans to limit themselves is honestly their narcissism. Humans like to think that they're the only smart thing in the universe, they're the only intelligent life even on earth. And they're not. Like you look at something as simple as a bumblebee. It, it, just in passing you look at the behavior of a bumblebee and go, "Oh, it's, you know, it's just a simple bee, it's, you know, its nervous system isn't that advanced." It can't possibly be smart as a human. But yet bees can recognize faces. They have a complex language. They, you know, they socialize. That's things that humans do. So it's like humans are... are they limit themselves in their thinking by thinking that they're the only ones that can think that way.
0: Oh, 100%. They're There's um, they're saying that some primates are entering basically the Stone Age. There were... <laughs> There were, I think it was orangs were using, were spear fishing. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a photo of an orang that's like hanging over uh, a river and it's using a spear to jab fish. And I think it, I can't remember if it taught itself. I'm pretty sure it learned it from watching fishermen though. But either way, that's, that's high intellectual ability right there for it to, to make a tool and then use it.
1: Well, you look at um, cetaceans, dolphins and whales, uh, they have what's called a signature whistle. And that signature whistle basically in their language is a name. So for example, during a hunt, one dolphin will signature whistle and then give a command. And that other dolphin who responds to that signature whistle will whistle back and then do the command.
0: That's interesting. I actually didn't know that. It's really interesting. How are you feeling on, on our whole, I think our conversation here is, has gone really well. And I, I, I think your story is really, really interesting. I think a lot of people are going to like listening to it. Is there anything well, else you really want to add?
1: Not much, really. I'm glad this went well, other than me being a ball of anxiety. But that's just <laughs> <I have> anxiety.
0: <laughs> thanks, thanks a bunch for coming on, and, and we'll be in touch for sure.